Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Second Tier Preview Show, brought to you by SBK. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Nigel Pearson to my Liam Manning. It's just impeach. Good day to you, Ryan. Oh, you better believe it, ladies and gentlemen. You better believe we're back with another preview show. I tell you what, Justin, I'm really, I'm really enjoying these. They're quickly becoming my favourite part of the week. It's your favourite part of the week whenever you see me. I don't want to comment on that. I'm thinking more about the, you know, making some predictions ahead of the weekend, oh, okay, looking ahead okay. and, you know, getting ourselves... side quite... of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely not what you said. Um, <laughs> definitely the, you know, looking ahead to the weekend, getting yourself hyped up for another weekend of Championship action. You know what I'm saying? I I, I do know what you're saying. I do know what you're saying. There's a lot of, you're saying this for a lot of, you know, stern, forefront, in your vigor. face sort of thinking. Yeah, vigour and... Uh, it's intimidating me a little bit, but I, I do know what he's saying. He's sort of, you're, you're sort of forcing me onto a chair now and, and, and shouting yeah, at my face. Getting into your face, proper you know, saliva all over your face while I'm giving you the hairdryer treatment. But I'm saying, yeah. you better be hyped. You better be fucking hyped, mate. I, yeah, okay, fine. I am, right? Good. I, I'm hyped. Let's Good. go. Right, let's, let's get stuck in. Come on. Oh, it's about time. Welcome to the number one championship <laughs> podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Justin's hyped. I am hyped. I hope you're hyped as well, ladies and gentlemen. What we're going to be doing is looking ahead to the weekend in the Championship, including, of course, our game of the weekend, which is on Friday night. West Brom v Southampton. What a huge game that is. We're also going to be making our banker and outsider predictions later on in the show as well. And I'll tell you what, you'll be delighted to know that we've had a fantastic response, Justin, to <laughs> listeners who have met footballers in strange places. Didn't expect to have this much of a response so soon because we are just recording this a matter of hours after we recorded Thursday's episode. But we've had so so much of a response already that we've got to let the listeners know what people have said already. So if you've got more of them, please send them in. But we'll uh, reveal all of that very shortly. But yeah, let's kick things off with our game of the weekend. And it is fifth, the the third on Friday night. It's West Brom against Southampton. West Brom are 21 to 10 going into this, while Southampton are 13 to 10 with SBK. And Southampton come into this off the back of their 25 game unbeaten run, coming to an end away at Bristol City. And the big question that is on everyone's lips, Justin, is will that be just a blip or could it be something more? What do you think? Ooh, I mean, it's two below par performances and that's not ideal when you're trying to, you know, I mean, generate a run of form. You say generate a run of form, but Southampton have been on a run of form since pretty September. They've done a fantastic job of, of pushing themselves into automatic contention. You can't really discredit them for that. And look, every team in the championship is going to have a little bit of a dip, a little bit of a blip. Um, but Southampton are probably coming up against a worse side when you're trying to right some of those wrongs. And as I say, they, they haven't been great over the last two games and I say great, they haven't been great. 
you know, the performance has been okay. It's just not been enough to get a three points against Bristol City. And that's, you know, that's the one that leave a sour taste. But they were probably poorer against Huddersfield. Because hitting five, five goals across those two games as well isn't ideal. And as I say, West Brom are the worst side to play against when you're trying to get your form back on track because they will make it hard for you. They will make it ugly. It's just, it's like going to your grandparents on a Sunday afternoon after you've eaten. You know, you want to go to your grandparents when, you know, with a big Sunday roast on, on the menu and you go in there, you're tired, you're not really fancying it. And um, it's not really how you want to see in the working week on a, the day after. Yeah, always a concern when Justin starts a metaphor because you have absolutely no idea yeah, where no it's idea. going. Um, and I'm not sure that one completely checks out, but I appreciate the sentiment <laughs> behind it. Well, I mean, you're right that West Brom are probably one of the worst teams you want to face after you know a result like that. And I mean, we have got to acknowledge that this was a pretty confidence-damaging result from a Southampton perspective. Adam Armstrong admitted after the Bristol City game that the players were just devastated. And to suffer a loss after not feeling that emotion for so long, it can really knock the confidence of players because mm -hmm. they can go from thinking we're unstoppable to, oh, maybe we're not, actually. And perhaps in a way it may actually be better to just lose every so often and win the majority of games in a strange way. Yeah. But look... The last time Southampton lost, it was during that horror run earlier in the season when they were just playing terribly. So it's incredibly intriguing to see how they bounce back here. I imagine Russell Martin is really wishing they had an easier game after this loss. But it's interesting that the outright market for Southampton to get promoted hasn't really moved in the last week with our friends at SBK. They are still around one to two to go up despite the midweek loss to Bristol City. We could see that shift depending on the result here, though, couldn't we? A win would be a great way to show that they are the real deal in terms of finishing seconds. But a loss sets off the alarm bells, doesn't it? This is one of those games that could be gigantic in the grand scheme of the season. Well, for both sides, West Brom are trying to create a points gap between them and um, and seventh place. And obviously, Southampton need to keep up the keep up with the race, a relentless race of um, yeah of trying to get into the top two because it has been an incredible journey for all those sides so far. And you've got Leeds peaking at a good time, Ipswich are recovering their form. It seems obviously with a big big midweek win against Millwall, and that could that could um, yeah it could really boost their hopes. And obviously when you lose games in your opposition or sorry the teams around you win it can it can damage confidence as I say West Brom are a hard side to come up against when you're trying to uh, overcome and, and create a run of form because yeah, simply West Brom don't concede often at home this is a really sticky game for Russell Martin I mean it's going to help that Southampton boasts the division's top scorer in Adam Armstrong and he's a favourite at the moment to finish the season as top goal scorer with odds of 27-10 to 10 with SBK and that's going to be a big, big thing for Southampton. They're going to need to edge a tight game and if you've got the division's top scorer, it can help but it's a tough one. Yeah, well, West Brom are going to restrict chances, aren't they? So you need someone like Adam Armstrong who's such a sharp shooter in front of goal that you need him to be on top form heading into this one, don't we? But as we were just saying, this is such a tough challenge for Saints, isn't it? Only Leeds and Leicester have won more points at home this season than West Brom. They've won five in a row in the league at the Hawthorns, only lost twice all season to Leicester and, rather bizarrely, Huddersfield. But Carlos Corbrand will be looking at this as a chance to take not only a huge scalp, but also enhance their playoff credentials even further, won't he? Yeah, what a lovely scalp as that would be Russell Martin's head of hair. Fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. You're right. In fact, I'd probably say the biggest, the, the most attractive scalp of all, Justin. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine he's, it's it's perfect. There's no dandruff. He's head mm. and shoulders. He conditions. I reckon as a blow dry and a brush as well. There is no uh, split ends in there at all. It is a perfect, perfect mm. scalp. But going more to the tactical side of things, I think this is a game that Corbrand's going to look forward to. It's going to be one of the type of games that he enjoys. He's a schemer. He's a tactician. So the possession-based teams that come to the Hawthorns, they're not going to do very well. And looking at the past results that, uh, that they've played against, against typically possession-based teams, in, in inverted commas, they haven't fared brilliantly. Swansea have lost the Hawthorns. Borough have lost. Hull have lost. Ipswich and, of course, Leeds as well. This Leicester are the only team to come away with a win from the Hawthorns who you can class as a possession-based team. And that would have been different if Jason Malumbadi had just cynically fouled one of the uh, players in that break into the Harry Winks goal. Yeah. Yeah. All he had to do was trip someone up and that break stops and baggy, uh, West Brom come away with the draw. Um, so I think this is, yeah, it's a horrible game for Southampton. It's one that's one that Carlos Corman's going to be looking forward to with, with open eyes because I say, he loves these type of fixtures. He loves them. Yeah, he will. He does. He really, really does. Um, only Leicester have conceded fewer goals at home than West Brom. They're just so good at shutting teams down. And look, Southampton was sloppy against Bristol City. So Corbran will be thinking, we've got a chance to do that again here. Saints have also conceded three in each of their last two games. So they can be got at as well. This is a great opportunity for West Brom and they'll 100% be fancying their chances here. Would that have been the same case if this if this fixture was played a week before? Don't know, but right now, Southampton look vulnerable and West Brom will be thinking, yeah, we can take these boys. Well, it is now time for our second tier bet builder with SBK. And with SBK, you can create your own bet builder with a range of markets for any championship game. It's easy, fast and secure on the SBK mobile app. And you'll find substantially better odds there than at any other bookmaker. So every Friday, we're making our own bet builder with four selections all relating to our game of the week. So that's two for Justin and two for me. Justin, what are your selections, big boy? I've gone with Darnell Furlong to be booked and under 1.5 goals. Now, Darnell Furlong's got seven yellow cards already this season. I think Southampton are going to pepper the wide areas as well. Some of the logic you've used actually in recent weeks in terms of wide wide players getting at fullbacks, and I think Southampton are going to do that. And Darnell Furlong's going to be in, under a fair bit of pressure throughout the game. And I think that might give at some point there'll be some cynical fouls as well. In addition to that, don't think there'll be many goals in this game. West Brom have only conceded more than one at home on three occasions in the league. And that all came in the first few weeks of the season. It's a low-scoring game. I can't quite separate the sides, but it would be a low-scoring game and a couple of yellow cards handed out with Darnell Furlong being one of them. Well, my selections are West Brom to win and Southampton to have the most corners in the game. I've gone with West Brom to win because I'm looking at those odds that we mentioned earlier. What were they? They were 21 to 10 for West Brom to win this game and Southampton are 13 to 10. I'm looking at that thinking West Brom are the value here aren't they? Not only because they're the home side, but also because, you know, West Brom are a side which perhaps get a bit underestimated when it comes to these kind of fixtures because they're a bloody good side under Carlos Corbran. And the reason I've gone for the most corners uh, with Southampton, over the last seven games, Southampton have averaged nine corners a game. West Brom are only averaging five in that time. And I could quite easily see a situation come along where West Brom go ahead, Southampton piling on the pressure struggling to break them down and inevitably winning a few corners along the way. So that's why I've gone for that. And a £10 bet with SBK on that bet builder returns £750. Bloody hell. And with SBK this week, you can claim a 25% winnings boost on all bet builders for West Brom v Southampton. So that boost will take us close to a grand peachy. 
a grand minimum odds of four to one over 18s only t's and t's apply and please do gamble responsibly that again darnell furlong to be booked under 1.5 goals west Brom to win southampton to have the most corners in the game and a 10 pound bet on that returns 750 pounds but thank you to sbk with their 25 percent winnings boost that will take us close to a bloody grand let's have a look ahead to the weekend then and in each preview episode of the second tier justin and i will each pick a banker a team we think is guaranteed to win this coming weekend as well as an outsider so someone we think is going to win but is bigger odds with our friends at sbk than their opponent and we're tracking how we do as the season goes on it's one point for a correct banker two points for an outsider whoever loses has to do a forfeit which will be a coach trip from sunderland to plymouth and back for JP, well, I'll be doing a vomit-inducing CrossFit workout, although that seems quite unlikely at the moment because the current scores are 34-22 to myself. Southampton beat Huddersfield last weekend, which was our only correct selection, and that was for Justin. So he managed to pull a point back, but still a long way to go before he's uh, not doing that long, long coach trip. Uh, but let's see if you can make any headway this weekend, Justin. What is your banker in the championship this week? weekend tell you what it was a tricky week to pick some out but i've got my vip switch to where it's uh, win away at swansea i think winning four nil away convincingly at millwall without really getting out of second gear i think really does sway my, my mind with this and swansea aren't a very good side defensively either but more on them in a second is which are heading to another side who just cannot convincingly pull themselves away from the bottom and not only that if midweek is anything to go by Ipswich are baying for it. They've got the hunger again. Um, and I think if, if if Southampton don't get a result against West Brom on Friday, that's only going to drive that hunger even more. But obviously, I think that's going to be by the by. Ipswich is still going to be wanting to, to take Swansea to the jugular. And they're coming up against a Swan side who have conceded 13 in six under Luke Williams. It has been far from convincing under their new head coach. And I just think with Ipswich's attacking quality and potential now and Kiefer Moore being up front and Ali Al Hamadi playing a supporting role off the bench potentially. There's a lot of firepower back there in that front line, which is what has been missing over the past few weeks for Ipswich. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be an Ipswich winner. Ipswich winner away at Swansea. Yeah, I was surprised when I saw this was your banker. I don't hate Ipswich. I well, don't hate Ipswich. Okay, you may not hate Ipswich, but I think it's fair to see you an Ipswich sceptic, aren't you? Yeah, but if they're going away to a side that have conceded 13 is 6, I'm expecting the team going for promotion to go for the jugular with this one. It's an easy one for me to pick out of the ones that were that, out of the rest of the fixtures this weekend. So I don't hate Ipswich. They were just easy to pick. Okay, okay, fine, fine. I, I wasn't accusing you of anything during that. It was you who came out. It's, it, very it's defensive. Like underhand, underhand criticism. I can listeners can't see it, but I can see it in your eye. You okay. were, you were, you were poking the bear. Okay, fine, fine. What a Um It is interesting with Ipswich because I remember. We're talking three months ago or so now. We were talking about how Portman Road was such a fortress yeah. for Ipswich and that was really where their top two push was being driven. But now you look at it, they've only Leicester have picked up more points away from home than Ipswich, which has really crept up on me. I was still just under the impression that Portman Road was a fortress for them and they were struggling a bit away from home, but clearly not. So I'm guessing with that being said, just in Ipswich and their away form is something that's really driven you to make this your banker. I think it's more so how poor Swansea is. Don't get me wrong, Ipswich are they're a good side. They're a very, very good side, but they're coming up against a very poor side. They came up against a very poor side in midweek in Millwall and they took them to the sword. And I think that's the big thing here. If it was a, a team that was further up the table, I wouldn't be so convinced 
think Ipswich may may win like against uh, Bristol City for example but wouldn't be as convinced as to pick them for a banker it's just Swansea are so so poor at the moment and they can't seem to find the right balance between going forwards creating chances and being defensively solid and that's a that's a big problem with Luke Williams that he needs to sort out it's followed him at Notts County it's followed him to Swansea as well and for me I think Kieran McKenna best coaching division I think he's going to see that and he's going to um, he's going to create a lot of chances get or have his team create a lot of chances the other thing as well is it won't take much for the Swansea fans to turn here either there's yeah. been a lot of frustration recently recently against how the club is being run and if they go a goal down quite early then that frustration could boil over once again as it has done on quite a few times this season so I'm not going to disagree with you just now I think this is a very good pick I was just a bit surprised my banker for the weekend is Leicester to win at home to Middlesbrough I don't need to do much explaining on this Leicester or Leicester 12 points clear at the top of the league for a reason on course to break the championship points record no team has won more points at home than them this season and I don't think it's particularly groundbreaking in the eyes of anyone that I think they'll win this weekend what I find particularly interesting here though is Middlesbrough now after the success of last season where they were sublime for the most part and I think many I think many expected them to be a guaranteed top site, top six side this season, possibly even challenging for the top two. Yet here they are, sat 13th, one win in six. Heading into the season, you'd have probably looked at this and pinpointed Leicester v Middlesbrough as one which would be a big game in the championship season. But here we are mm. looking, here Middlesbrough are looking very likely to be Leicester City's next victims. And there have been a couple of moments where I thought, maybe this is it. Maybe Middlesbrough will start clicking now, but it's just not happened, is it? And it feels less and less likely that it will. And it feels like their season now is heading towards the realm of underwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard to disagree with that. I mean, Leicester at home are always a banker. Let's let's put that to, let's put that one out there. They're a very good team at home. They're joint best home record in the division alongside Leeds. And obviously Middlesbrough, they might lay a glove on Leicester, they might create some chances, but they chronically miss them. And as you say, the season's slowly fizzing out. And that was a case against Preston as well, actually. Um I saw someone tweet I think it was Phil Spencer tweeted on Twitter or X um, that Thomas Glover the goalkeeper gets done at his near post very very often and with Leicester you've got wingers in uh, Fatou and Mavadidi who cut inside very often who are going to who are going to test that near post quite often so if you've got a keeper who's not quite convincing um, against a team who like to get the ball in the final third and, and attack and punish you then yeah Borough in for a nervy a nervy afternoon so yeah it's going to be one where Michael Carrick's going to be tearing his hair out probably be as bold as Enzo Moresco by the end of the game because his team are going to get chances and they're going to miss them yeah well, they weren't the best side at the back last season, were they? But they scored so many goals that it didn't really matter. And what's essentially happened this season is they're still not the best at the back, but they're also not scoring as many goals as they were. That has got to be expected when you lose the likes of Cameron Archer and Chubrakbom and not really replace them. I mean, Finnezaz has come in now, which I think is a really good move, but it's going to take time with him. And also he needs help because ultimately what's mm. happened is other clubs have jumped ahead of them in the queue for the playoffs now. And it's really quite difficult at this stage to see them getting anywhere near the front between now and the end of the season and that's why it looks quite likely that this was just going to be a campaign that fizzles out for Middlesbrough unfortunately so there are mine and Justin's two bankers for the weekend and every week we combine these two selections with a bet on the full-time results of our game of the weekend to create our very own second tier featured multiple with SBK. So this week we're going for Ipswich, Leicester and West Brom 
all to win. And a £10 bet on that returns £92 with SBK. And you can create your own multiple with three or more bets on the full-time result of any game from across the championship. T's and C's apply, over 18s only. And please do gamble responsibly. That again, Ipswich, Leicester and West Brom all to win. A £10 bet on that returns a lovely £92 with SBK. Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about our outsiders for the championship this weekend. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So we've revealed our bankers for the weekend. That means it's now time for, for us to do our bloody outsiders for the weekend. So come on then, Peachy. What have you got for me with your big outsiders? Again, it was a really hard hard weekend to really pull some outsiders out. But I think Huddersfield's beat Hood is actually not a bad one, to be honest with you. John Worthington has got them clicking. Caretaker boss contra John Worthington has got them clicking. And I think, being totally honest, I haven't been overly impressed with Hull since the turn of the year either. They've much better against Rotherham midweek. But I think Huddersfield, Huddersfield are a completely different task. And I've been on the front foot a lot more under under John Worthington. When you compare the fact as well that Liam Machine likes to start deep and start slow in possession, that might play into the hands of a of a side who are starting to press high and fast. So for me, I think I just feel quite fancy them. A lot of players as well back in form or, or hitting form, it seems, with Sorba Thomas, Josh Karoma. Um, it all seems to be clicking quicker at the moment with Huddersfield than it does with Hall, who probably trying to factor in a lot of new players, a lot of flair players in that final third as well, which may be having some teething issues with. Yeah, well, it's going really well for Huddersfield all of a sudden, isn't it? John Worthington, the caretaker, is doing an unbelievable job, isn't he? And, and I mean, they've come off the back of winning against Sunderland in midweek. They gave Southampton one of the best teams in the division a good old scare last weekend. And then, of course, smashed relegation rival Sheffield Wednesday the week before that. So, unbelievable turnaround from him. And it has led to a bit of speculation that he may get the full-time job, Justin. I was wondering what you think about that. I'm not. I'm not against it. You know, actually, to do, I think if I mean Michael Duff is a, a very good uh, option. It's one we've discussed in the past. But the fact that John Worthington has done what he's done in such a short space of time probably deserves a few more weeks as caretaker boss, or at least it gives Huddersfield a little bit more time. Because usually, what we've seen in the past with with caretaker bosses is they they just. I mean, they're just there to take things over for a temporary uh, amount of time, and if they do well, they tend to get the job. But I think um, what Worthington has done is is try and correct a ship and try and play on the front foot, which is, as I say, bought Huddersfield time in terms of 
taking their time and, and trying to pick that next manager. So it, they don't have to rush. I probably wouldn't rush into giving Worthington a job, but his his impression so far has been quite quite good. Yeah. Well, I mean, a good example of a caretaker manager not doing very well is Adam Barrett at Millwall earlier in the season where he just got yep. a bit of a stinky time, didn't he? But it is funny with caretakers, isn't it? Because how many times have we seen a caretaker do really, really well in the short time that he's been in charge, get the job on a permanent basis, and then that magic's not continued? Yeah, exactly. It's happened more often than not, unfortunately, hasn't it? So, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see whether they do give him the job full-time. I do think there's a lot at stake to give this Huddersfield... A big commitment. No, you know, in their current predicaments, give this team to a manager who is ultimately... He was the academy manager before becoming the caretaker. So, yeah, it would be a big commitment. You're right. Um, but, I mean, if he gets another result here, then Huddersfield may be thinking, God, it'd be, it'd be harsh not to give him the job, wouldn't it? Um, let's go to my outsider. I've gone with Birmingham City to beat Sunderland. It's the revenge of the Mobes. Yes, that's right. It's Tony Raybray coming up against the side who so viciously dismissed him just two months ago. Now, I don't think he's furiously out for revenge. I can't ever really picture Tony Mowbray being furious because he's just such a nice man. But I imagine he'd quite like to get payback so he can sit in an armchair on Saturday night and chuckle to himself while he dips into a packet of revels. But Birmingham coming off the back of a good win against semi-relegation rivals Blackburn in midweek, they by and large kept Blackburn at arm's length and deserved the win. And I think we'll see more of that as the weeks go by. As we alluded alluded to in Sunday's episode, I simply can't foresee a Tony Mowbray side going down. And this is why he's an expert at eking out results. And there's every chance that he does it again against his former side this weekend. And the tide does seem to be turning for McBeal. He's no longer the most hated man in Sunderland for now. Would be interesting to see his status in that regard if he were to lose here, though, because they are just coming off the back of a loss to Huddersfield midweek. And it wouldn't be a great look for Beale if he were to lose to the man who Sunderland got rid of so they could get him in, if that makes sense. It would, however, also be very funny. But whatever the case, it's a difficult set of fixtures for outsiders this week. And Birmingham look the most obvious one to me, hence why I've gone with them. Yeah, it's quite a good one to pick, actually. I mean... I've got exactly the same thing written down here. Mowbray's got to be gunning for a revenge because he wants to prove a point that it was the wrong decision to sack him. I think every manager does. And unfortunately, Eustace didn't get that come up against Birmingham in midweek with Blackburn. But Mowbray's got the chance here to do it with Sunderland. And like you said, McBeal slowly, slowly turning things around there. But they have been a mixed bag under him away from home. And as well as that, Birmingham's home form is actually pretty decent. And it's only, it's only Tony Mowbray's third home game in charge as well. So... There's still going to be a, a, an excitement there from supporters. They're going to see what he wants to do with the team um, and they're going to give him opportunity. Whereas we've seen with the likes of Luke Williams, Stephen Schumacher, um, Luke Williams at Swansea and Stephen Schumacher at Stoke, they've had poor runs of form and the fans have got on their backs. Not been the case of, uh, with Tony Robbery. So that's a, that's a big thing as well. You're likely, more likely, or McBeal's more likely to piss off the uh, Sunderland fans than McBeal's, uh, than Tony Robbery's likely to piss off the Sunderland, uh, Birmingham fans. So yeah, it's um, going to be an interesting... Right there, I know. Uh, <laughs> it's because it's because Tony Robbery used to manage at Sunderland, McBeal's new. There's just so many variables to consider. It's uh, you know, it's like an episode of Desperate Housewives in a, in, in a sense, but Championship Edition. Never seen it. Never fight to be fair, but there's just a okay. lot of drama. It's just it's a drama, uh, you know, drama-based show. I was trying to trying to bring in a drama has drama that takes place in it. Crazy, who'd have thought so? Eh? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, Mowbray would quite like to 
you know, rolling there with his ship. Of course, he is a, a sea captain, as we as we established last week. And he'll go in there with Parrot on his shoulder and he'll be saying, um, I was going to do a pirate impression then. I'll just stop there. But best you get not, the point. Not, They're yeah. just going to roll in and uh, really make Sunderland look even sillier than they did a couple of months ago. And uh, I think he'll take a lot of joy from that. And I think a lot of neutrals may take quite a bit of joy out of that as well. Just before we play Scott High or Ryan Lowe, as I was saying at the top of the show, Justin, we've had an incredible response to our question, which we put out to listeners in Thursday's episode. I was talking about how I met Jamie Vardy while coming out of a train toilet and so we asked people to get in touch with footballers they've met in strange places and so I thought you know what let's put them out there let's uh, see what people had to say for themselves and this one is from Luke Edmondson who I believe is a Preston fan he says hi gents love the pod I once met Paul Coots and Sean St. Ledger in a rundown bar on a Saturday night. It was just after Thierry Henry had handballed it against Ireland. So I asked St. Ledger how good was Henry. And he told me he'd been given more of a runaround by Freddie Eastwood at Southend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And if that's not enough, Paul Coots spent the evening licking our faces, but then stayed out with us all night (laughs) as they headed off to enemy territory in Blackpool. Um, I mean, that's great. But then Luke goes on to say, in a separate, perhaps weirder incident, I once went onto the big one at Blackpool Pleasure Beach and sat behind Vanilla Ice. Thanks again for keeping my weeks filled with fun and football. <laughs> and so much to unravel there, Justin. I don't really know where to start. I've got a question. Uh, Paul Coots licking faces is one of them. Yes. Understandable. Uh, need more context around that. So please get back in touch, Luke. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, Freddie Eastwood, that's a blast from the past. I've got questions about that. I mean, getting a run around from a striker who did it for one season in championship is, mm. is quite a is quite a statement compared to one of the world's best footballers <laughs> to ever grace the Premier League. It's good, though. It's good, though. I, I'm <laughs> on the same issue. I've really enjoyed that throwback because Freddie Eastwood's just someone I completely, completely forget forgot about. about. Even though he was quality at one point, wasn't he, back in the day? Yeah, he was outstanding. He was outstanding. And I, I think there's a, a, a sense of bitterness there in, in Sean St. Ledger because of the handball. Maybe. Maybe that's true. Um, but there you go, Freddie Eastwood. Better than Thierry Henry. You heard that first here. Um, Jack has got in touch. He's a Leicester fan. He says, whilst working at Newmarket home base, I served Glen Roder at the till. He was Norwich manager at the time and he bought some screws. I think the fact that you remember what he bought, Jack, is even more impressive than the actual meeting itself. No, I want to know what was being built because, you know... Home projects and all that, it's a, it's, a, it's a big thing, but... Seems to a lot of effort, seems to be a lot of effort to go to home base just for screws, because they tend to be on retail parks, don't they? Given that I've done a fair bit of DIY, you always find that you don't have the right set of screws, so you have to go out of your way to, mm. um, yeah, to get them. So, yeah, I, I, I do sympathise on that on that front, definitely. Yeah, yeah fair enough. And, and this is from Joe Lewis-Brown from Southampton. He says, I was in Asda and Victor Wanyama asked me if I knew where the bin bags were. That's it. <laughs> Straight to the point, and I love it. It just feels like that's classic Victor Wanyama because obviously his Twitter account back in the day was, was mm. quite... Was quite interesting. I can't remember any specific uh, tweets, but I can tell you the specifics, Justin, because I think yeah. about them every single day. Because he was the epitome of footballers on Twitter before they got PR people to actually mm-hmm. look after things. And I think the most famous one is, um, "I had spaghetti today. I enjoyed yeah. it." That's that's the OG <laughs> one. Isn't it? 
Where are the bin bags, mate? Uh, it's just Victor Wanyama, I think, in a nutshell. Just, just really to the point. Here, I tell you what, I, I'm enjoying this. We may have started a trend here, which I'm all aboard for. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you do have any peculiar instances where you've met a footballer in a strange place, please let us know. Secretarypod at gmail.com and we will almost certainly give you a shout out. The stranger, the better. I would say we need kind of a, a graph here of the more famous the footballer and the stranger the place, the better. Having said that, I do like the obscure ones because Paul Coots and Sean St. Ledger in a random bar in Preston somewhere sounds great. I, I'm, I'm yeah, enjoying look, that. If you bump into Matt Hill at the gym, let us know. Obviously, ex-Preston Matt Hill. Uh, you know, mm. if you, it doesn't have to be a famous footballer. Obscure is also good. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I'll take that back, actually. We don't care how famous the, how famous the player is. We just want obscure as anything because the stranger the better as far as I'm concerned. Anyway... Now it's time for this. Scott High or Ryan Lowe? Little kiss, fucking shit, mate. Yes, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. This is the game where we have to rank four things from highest to lowest. It's as simple as that. And there's three questions. And this week, yours truly is providing the questions for Justin Peach. Are you ready, Peachy boy? Always ready. Come on. Lovely. This is a nice bit of championship history for you right here. Here is a list of championship clubs. I want you to rank them on who's had the most seasons in the second tier since the league rebranded in 2004. That's including this season. I mean, it doesn't matter because they're all in the championship this season anyway. But those clubs are Birmingham City, Cardiff City, Ipswich Town, Queen's Park Rangers. So it's their most accumulative years in the championship, not yes. the most consecutive. Okay, that's fine. Um, I'm going to go with Birmingham top. Okay. Then, since it's rebranded, right? That's correct. Cool. Okay. Uh, might retract Birmingham then. Mm, okay, I'll go Ipswich top. Then okay. I'll go Cardiff. Then I'll go Birmingham. And then who was the last one again? QPR. No, uh, I was rethinking, ladies and gentlemen. Then I'll go keep your last. Keep your last, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It's a decent effort, but it's absolutely horrific at the same time. Because um, that was not very right at all, Justin. The uh, top one was Cardiff. They've had 18 seasons in the championship. QPR mm. was second. They've had 17. Ipswich, third, 16. Birmingham City were last with 15. Yeah, I think I'm. I, I saw someone tweet that Birmingham had the most consecutive years in the championship out of everybody. I they, think that's, that's confused me in my head in putting the answers together. They've been their current run now is the longest yeah. that anyone's been in the championship for because they've been in since 2011, off the top of my head. Cool. Right. Um, but they they had a fair few Premier League years in the. 2000s, which you just I've seem got to my, I've got my question. I've got my question sorted next week anyway. That's one. All of right, them. good. There we go. Um, well, in the complete opposite to the last question, these are the four championship sides who have spent the fewest seasons in the second tier. When I say four championship sides, I mean sides currently in the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, can you rank them from fewest to most, please? They are Plymouth Argyle, Rotherham United, Southampton and Sunderland. Who's had the fewest seasons in the championship out of them, Justin, since it was rebranded in 2004? I'll go Southampton, Sunderland, Plymouth. I always forget the last one. Rotherham. And Rotherham. You going with that? 
I'll go with that, yeah. You're so close, but unfortunately, <sighs> you got Sunderland and Southampton mixed up. That's the it, that only was, that bit was you the got hard wrong. One. That was yeah. the hard one. Yeah, so Sunderland have only had five seasons in the Championship, rather surprisingly. Uh, this season is actually the first time they've had back-to-back seasons in the Championship since it was rebranded, which I thought was quite interesting. Southampton were next. They've had six seasons. Then it's Plymouth, who had seven. Of course, they had a six-year stretch in the mid-2000s. And then Rotherham with eight, which was just, you know, loads of different seasons where they go up and then get relegated. <laughs> yeah, the yo-yo, the classic yo-yo, the, 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 the Premier League West Brom to the League One Rotherham. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, a good, that's a good example, actually, even though West Brom's, you know, rebounding they diminished that reputation a while ago actually, that, that reputation they? doesn't really stand up as much as it as much as it once did but i get the sentiment that you're saying there anyway this is your final question then justin let's see if you can finish on a winner for uh, before the weekends these are the four busiest airports in the uk other than heathrow according to the latest data can you rank them on which one is the busiest so those airports are london gatwick london luton London Stansted and Manchester. <laughs> London, 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 Manchester. Yes. I will go with, I'll go Manchester, then Gatwick. Top. Yeah, Manchester top, then Gatwick, then Stansted, then Luton. How confident are you about that on a scale of one to ten? I don't know airports. I'll go with three. You've unfortunately just messed up again. Gatwick and Manchester was the wrong way round. Otherwise, you've absolutely nailed it, Justin. I, I, I was really hoping you'd change your mind then when I asked you whether you were sure about it. But the uh, here are the here are the digits for you. Gatwick they had thirty two point eight million a year. Manchester twenty three point four million. Stansted twenty three point three million. Luton thirteen point three million. So quite a big gap between Gatwick mm. and Manchester there. Massive, yeah. I guess if Gatwick serves the south like after london doesn't it and you go to sort of the coastlines yeah but it's you know, split between far... four airports isn't it so you may may think and then you got bristol yeah, as well actually as well no that's fair but then manchester's in the northwest and it's the only big airport up there because but then you've got loads of little ones like east midlands you've got birmingham you've got liverpool yeah uh, so, okay, maybe yeah it is it is it is like i said i don't know airports so i'm not gonna lose sleep over it What's your favourite airport? My favourite what in the in the world or just in the UK? Yeah, come on then, why not? I uh, I mean Thailand Airport was quite nice. I had about six hours to kill when I was there, and I just walked mm. around each terminal. It was good. It was big and long, and covered about thirty thousand steps doing that. Um, that was that was good fun. Nice. And uh, any any airport in Germany is absolutely fantastic. Well, that's good to know. Hong Kong Airport. Yeah. I tell you what, if you ever get the chance, Hong Kong Airport is the place to go. It is. It will blow your mind, that little place. Anyway, there we go, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday to give you a roundup of everything that happens in the Championship. So we bloody look forward to seeing you then. This has been the preview show brought to you by SBK. And uh, we'll see if we have any luck with our predictions over the weekend. But as I say, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I have been Ryan Dilks. I have been Justin Peach. And a big thank you for listening. Second Tier is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Small details are big surfaces. 
tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.